Who rocks mics and rocks them well, yo? It's the biz, baby, it's the biz. 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 All right, thanks for coming back to the biz. This is actually uh, take two of this interview because Zoom doesn't know how to work properly and neither do people in America, which is why they're taking vacations during a coronavirus <laughs> outbreak in the world. <laughs> not better, not bad. Uh, but welcome to the biz, uh, Andrew Serafin. Thanks, buddy. Thanks yeah. for having me. I'm so excited. And, uh, you know, I just feel like during this pandemic, I, you know, if this crashes again and Zoom breaks again and we got to do it for a third time, at least we get to hang out. We got plenty of time. You know what I mean? Right now, everyone is going, who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I definitely don't care already. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those that don't know, um, you you had you had your part in the biz. And now you have exited the biz, which is I had, it's a success yeah. story in itself. It kind um, of is. It's like it's like the American dream of the biz. It's like right, right. It's like that. Uh, it's like the clip from uh, Shawshank Redemption where somebody crawled through a tunnel <laughs> of shit and finally made it out the other side. That's me. Now <laughs> and, the, and the tube and the tube of shit is the biz. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know. Where that tunnel started it was college radio. Yeah. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Which actually, I guess in this case, it would be prison. But actually, uh, that so that metaphor doesn't work in this sense because college radio was awesome. And, yeah. Um, you said you seemed to really enjoy it. I loved it, dude. I loved it because, um, I don't know, it was like it was all kids, right? Like people in college aren't kids. But it was all kids making the decisions for like a radio station that could be broadcasted over like. 35 miles and that right. was in like a high population area in new jersey wmcx shout out wmcx but um that was and that was you know that was i think like my purest music fan experience was and, and my purest like experience in the biz was working in college radio when you were at this college radio station and you were so i mean you were like picking what you were playing on on the station right yeah 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 were, were, were you the director in a sense i was uh yeah music director so all it was right. basically like all the labels and all the promo companies would basically like i was a punk guy in high school like that's like all i listened to so i i came in there like i don't know what i was listening to at the time but it was probably like when i got voted in i was probably listening to like i don't know like saves the day and anti-flag and like you know further seems forever and you know, sure. some emo, some punk, some hardcore, like that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, so when I got voted in, like, it was basically like, yeah, here's all these records. You get every record basically that's coming out, except for major label releases, which honestly, who cares? You, yeah, you probably guy. weren't caring about that. No, so it's was like, who cares? So they send you all these records. You get to make like all the decisions as far as like what is being played on the air. And at the time, because I was just a punk guy, I literally, like, I didn't wipe the hard drive of all the old, like, indie rock <laughs> <laughs> and ska. Maybe I should have, but I didn't. You would have um, saved New Jersey a lot of heartache. But. I, tell me about it. So I, But I, like, I basically put all that shit on pause, and I just, like, picked the stuff that made sense to me as far as, like, here's what I think should be played. And so that was awesome. And it's like, you know, I, I look back on it, and I think to myself, I, I know there's a faction of kids that are like 10 to 15 years older than me that grew up in that area and probably like just listen to punk rock for like three or four years, the years that I was there. Yeah. And like, I'm sure that like that resulted in something like, I don't know who those people were. Like, I'm sure they're in bands now or whatever, but did like, you have college shows? Like, were you able to bring in some of those bands to like do college shows? Yeah. Yeah. We had like a 24 hour show one time that was kind of cool. Like we, um, we brought in like one band per hour for 24 hours. That's and like terrible. Well, it was brutal. And <laughs> it's brutal because like most of the bands suck. And it was like after 10 minutes, you're like, oh, can we get these guys out of here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No gear share. <laughs> Everyone yeah. brought their own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, it was. It was like that bad. And oh, um, actually, it might have been half an hour spot. So maybe it wasn't as torturous as it sounds. But either way, it was like, you know, all the bands that would come at like one in the morning were the bands that like. <laughs> like, did anyone no noticeable come did you get anyone like good um that's a great question 
I don't remember, so I'm assuming no. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I've seen like other colleges where they're like, they bring like big people and they have a budget that they can spend to yeah. do this on a show. And I didn't know if that was similar. Like, if you were you guys given a budget to do these shows or was it just very like DIY? Just like, no, it was pretty DIY. And most of the yeah. bands that we had were like all bands that, um, yeah, they were just, they were happy to be there. Like, I think we did pay them. Like, it's not like we didn't like show them the door without anything, but like, yeah, it was it was pretty minimal mostly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and for punk bands, like most of them didn't care. And we would set up shows at like local venues, and so like we we're kind of a local promoter at the same time. Right. So like the bands that were like getting airplay that were like somewhat local, like they would very happily play a show because we were like helping them out. But like yeah, so like you're just like getting all these like fresh records and not paying like anything for them, and you're just kind of like sitting there listening with all your buddies that you're going to school with at the time and just like you know sharing in that experience. So that was like. Yeah, that was like the best. Like honestly, it was all downhill. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you know, so you you needed to go somewhere yeah. after that, and you thought to yourself, "What better place to go than Victory Records?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, maybe, you know, maybe an abusive relationship sounds great. I'll just yeah, I'll go to Victory now. <laughs> right, uh, right, right. No, it, it was just. Um, I, yeah, I really was, liked when you told the interview process for, for your victory. Yeah. If you can tell, yeah, tell yeah. the audience again. Well, that. so I, like I told you, I was like an unpolished, like, you know, non-professional going into what I thought was like a professional world. Like, oh, my first job. Ooh. Right, right, right. You know, right. like, like you go in there with like your collared shirt and you're like pressed up and ready to go. You stay in at a hotel near O'Hare Airport and you really <laughs> feel like you're like a big shot. And then you go in and you have an interview with the owner of Victory and, uh, you know, one, one of the guys I worked with, which, by the way, I loved everyone I worked with. That, yeah. that wasn't that was never the issue. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, you go in there and, and uh, you know, the questions are a little like pointed and some of them are a little strange. And like one of them was, um, you know tell us why you don't like major labels. And it's like, oh, that's a weird, like, I know this is the biz and everything, but this is like, a, <laughs> this is a strange question. <laughs> but, but at the time I gave the perfect answer because I was a punk guy and I didn't listen to anything on a major label. And I came from that college radio experience where it was like, I didn't really get any of that. So right. I was just like, oh, F them. Like, I don't, I don't like any of those bands. I, I want to like, I want to like, you know, promote the bands that are going to like steal the money of those major label artists. Like that's, that was the goal. Right. And that was like, not really a professional answer, but that was actually exactly what they were looking for. Right. <laughs> like, right, right. They wanted somebody with a chip on their shoulder that would like work stupid hours for no money because they just didn't like the big music industry. Right. Come to find out they're really not all that different. Yeah. Little did you know you would work for the label that actually wants to steal from bands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And employees <laughs> and everything else. Ever, and everyone. Yeah. 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 Um, I didn't ask you this before and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but like going into that being your first job, like what did you make like going uh, into working at Victory? What I'll say is that I made, well, let's just say I negotiated a j just beyond poverty level salary. Right. Right. That's basically, that's how you describe it. Which uh, I've said to people before. And, you know, it's a joke, but it's not a joke. Like, if you want to make more money than you ever will in the music industry, go work at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> what do they pay? I don't know what Dunkin' Donuts pays. It's, it's, I don't know. It's probably if more. You, it's probably more. Yeah, you, I know If Costco. you stay there long, long enough, you'll probably get a manager position or something. You will make yeah. more money. I Yeah. I think Costco pays like twenty, like twenty bucks an hour, twenty five right. bucks an hour, or something like right. that. Now I think at the time that was definitely more than I was making, especially if you consider like, you know, it's not only just the nine to five thing. It's like you know, you go to shows afterwards of bands on your label. You go to shows of bands that are showcasing, and your pay for that is you get to watch the bands. Yeah, you get, it's you just, get to go in for free. You're paid in cool points. Which, <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I is fine in your twenties, but like anyone that does that beyond like thirty is an absolute maniac like you know just <laughs> I, I don't know i just hi I, well come to find out i ended up doing it well through like you know 33 sure. 34 years old yeah but um but it's i mean it's hard it's like it's a hard yeah it's not an easy life like right like I, right. do you know anybody that's in the industry that's just like 
you know, they punch in and they punch out and then they like enjoy their life outside of work. Like I don't, everyone else has, to, I like, don't know continue. anyone that does that in this industry. And that, and I mean like, you know, and if, if everything's going well and you're making a bunch of money, you don't yeah. care that you're getting emails at like one o'clock in the morning. Exactly. It's fine. But when you're not making a lot of money and like, you're not really treated great e- either, you know, no. like no. Y- it just gets to a point where you just get exhausted. You really well, get tired of dealing I, with it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think I think it's, you know, the operation there was, you know, they, they wanted you to treat it like you like like exactly like you're saying, like you were at a hedge fund and that like, yeah, why wouldn't you like, right. you know, how come you're not awake at 4 a.m.? Aren't don't you want to win? You know, like you're getting emails like that at 4 a.m. And it's just like right. I don't want to win for poverty level wages and like for you to berate everybody all day. Well, like, I mean, what you're sold on is that you're part of the cause. You know, there's yeah, a reason why they exactly asked right. why they asked you the question, what do you think of major labels? You know, like mm-hmm. that's that's not a regular question that you get in a job interview. You know, right. like that is a question that you get to be like, are you with us? Or are you against us? That that's is exactly that type it. of question. And it, yeah. you know, obviously you answered it in an honest way saying like you know, like I would have answered the same way. I would have been at that age. I would have been like, yeah, fuck that. Look, all look, all this great music coming out of these hardworking, independent people. We don't need those fucking major labels, you know? Yep. And then a- as you're into it, you're like, we're using the same distri- distribution company. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you yeah. know, and like you just start to see how like it's the machine is still the machine. It's always yeah. is. It's just under a different name, you know. Yeah. But, you know, it's just you, the way it's sold to you is that like you were in this for the cause. We want to help these great bands. And that's why you get into it. The right. reason I started doing this was all the great bands. I remember I saw the band kicked in the head here in Boston. And it was one of the first, ba- like I did too. I, I never, I didn't know about local bands. They were opening up for, for I think the Pilfers or something. And the Pilfers were opening up for safe errors. These are ska bands. I under, I understand if you don't, you don't catch the reference, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, like I didn't realize that these bands were tiny. And then like mm-hmm. when I saw them play hall shows to only like, you know, 50 kids at that time, I was like, this is this is not a lot of people. Now you'd be like, oh, fuck, you can get 50 kids in the room. You're worth something. We can use you. Right. You know, but um, I was I, I, I instantly got like angry. I was like, more people should know about this band. This band's better than any band I've heard that's on the radio. And I instantly just wanted to be a part of it. And that's why I toured with them and like learn how to sell merch and stuff with them just because I wanted to be a part of something. I never yeah. got paid from them. I didn't have any money to pay me. But, um, you know, this is a little band. And it's funny when you see these indie major labels are selling you that same dream. Right. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, I, I don't think it's, it's not that different in a lot of other, other industries, right? Like, you know, I, I think the difference is, is that you know, when you go to a different industry, they're going to sell you on, you know, maybe the culture or maybe, you know, maybe they just sell you on the benefits and stuff. But like at the end of the day, when you take a job, you're probably going to be sold on something. But music, it's right. such like it's so easy to you know, not prey on people, but just to be like, you know, yeah, like you said, like, are you into this? Because if you are, this is going to be one of the two jobs that you could possibly get in this industry. So you better just like suck it up and like it. Right. Right. And, and that's is, what I mean, but that's what it is. It is easy to prey on it because yeah. all of us have an emotional reaction to music. Right. right. All of us. Yeah. You know, I don't care what music you're into. You know, if you're someone that loves jazz a lot and then you're like, I get to be a part of this thing that I love so much. You'll take it. You'll take right. it for less pay. Absolutely. Yeah. The thing is, you would hope that like when that gets bigger, we all win, you know? Right. But you you start finding that that's not the case, you know? Right. Well, and that's and then how quickly can you get jaded? And and like, you know, we joked last time that, yeah, it, t- it took me like a year and a half to get jaded in the music right, industry. Right. You and were at Victory I, for two years. And I think you said to me once that you were considered one of the veteran people there. Yeah. By the time I left, people were like, oh, wow, he's been here a while. <laughs> And there, there, there's actually people that like literally just got out of there recently. So there, but like, so there are people that are there longer, but like that was kind of the joke because I think right before I left, it was really bad. And like uh, a lot of people kind of came in for like a seven month tour right. and right. that was it, you know? Right. Now, one, one thing I had said to you before that I did find kind of interesting. So like, you know, 
victory has always been kind of when you hear from victory, it's always been for a negative connotation. You know, always. It's always been like, you know, because I I remember hearing how like Hawthorne Heights and Streetlight Manifesto were both very vocal about that label being shitty and stealing from them and them taking them to court. Um, I'm sure there was other bands, too, but those are the ones that I could remember. And I always thought to myself, are they justified in this or did they sign bad deals that they knowingly signed? Did they not like, you know, do the homework? Like I would have probably brought these to a lawyer and been like, is this, is this worth taking? Which I mean, they might've been in a position where like, well, if we don't sign this, we're not getting anything at all. And I think a lot of people end up in that position, but still it it is your responsibility. If you sign that, you are signing over to those rights. And I've always wondered like, were these bands justified or or did they sign bad deals that they fully knowingly signed? I, I, I would say uh, I'm not privy to the contracts, right? Like I, I never got to see them. So I, 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 I'm hesitant to say like definitively. Sure. But, but what I can tell you is from being in those rooms and working with the bands and hearing what they say, and they would say things to me directly, that, that my um, my assumption of all of that is that a lot of times I think they were just in the position to, yeah, they didn't have any other offers and, and they were small time, but they had potential. They right. knew they had potential that the label knew they had potential. They probably got a dumpy deal with like, you know, 12 records and basically like sign over your life for a donut more or less. Sure. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of them signed those deals potentially knowing it was a bad deal, but they just said like, well, we don't even know if we're going to be a band for 10 records. So whatever, who cares? Let's take the shot. And then they like get a little bit of success. And then it's like, oh, now we're trapped. Right. You know, and, and we're, you know, we're trapped in a bad relationship with like, you know, an owner who's um, perpetually unhappy and, and just a, you know, a, a corrupt, immoral businessman. So, um, so I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think um, they didn't have any other uh, other offers potentially, you know, preying on the fact that they wanted to make music for a living and this was an offer where they could su- supposedly do it. But then the other side of it with finances, you know, I, I can say that as an employee, like they stole from me. Like I, I, I yeah. went on a business trip and they didn't. And, and when we parted ways, um, like when I left the company and we got basically gotten like a big blowout, which I won't go into details about, but like when I left, was you it know, over ska? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but when I, but when like, I we left, want to put out this catch 22 record, you're like, I'm like, out. I want three more catch 22 <laughs> records. I gotta have it. No. <laughs> um, but when I left, uh, you know, I had some like expenses that like weren't paid that were, it was like a trip to like New York city for like right. a, a conference to like put on a show for the label. Yeah. And, um, and when I left, it was like, yeah, send us your Blackberry and we'll send you the re- the reimbursement check. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I'm a stupid 23 right. year old. Yeah. I'll send you the Blackberry. Never got the check, obviously. So it's like, well, if you're going to steal from me, I have to assume that you would steal from bands. Right. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I yeah. see no reason. Like I, those things seem very interrelated to me as far as like, did how you, you ever get people. to a point where like, you know, you would obviously like go to music conferences and things like that, meet other people. And you didn't want to tell people you worked for Victory, or yeah, you sometimes know, well, did people so like roll their eyes or have like bad reactions. So, sometimes it? it was usually either two parts. It was like, like I we would put on showcases at like South by Southwest and CMJ right. and stuff like that. So I would like go and run those events, and um and put them on and organize them and find a venue and do all that stuff. And you'd go there and like there'd be like half of the people were so amped, and it was almost like you were like this weird like C list celebrity even though right. you do, do nothing to deserve it you just work at a label that they think the music's good at. right 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 and and then you would have the other people who were just like oh, ugh, like <laughs> 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 you know like wouldn't want to party you and then there'd be the third faction who's just like oh we know how much money you spend on marketing like y- yeah you're our new best friend and we're gonna try to right. like, get in with you but right so there's like a few different ways but yeah there, there's definitely there was definitely people who were just like I'm sure you were the scapegoat for a lot of this too. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or just the scapegoat for like bad relationships. Like sometimes the, like, you know, there'd be a few bands that I would work with who like, I could tell 
because they weren't happy with the label, they would treat like me like shit. And it's right, like, dude, right. I, like I have nothing to do with any of it. Like I'm, I'm honestly here trying to help you. Um, yeah. and, and then there was other instances where, you know, people in the industry have gotten burned. Like, you, like say, like I remember going to an event and there was like a magazine editor or something. And like, we took out a bunch of ads and we're like behind on invoices or some shit like that. And the guy like comes up and like confronts me. And it's just like, oh, I don't know what to tell you. Well, I guess I'll I'll email everybody and see if we can get that paid for. You know, it's just like stuff yeah, like yeah. that. You're like, I'll so, let accounting know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let accounting know as soon as they like, you know, burn the check they owe a million bands and myself as well. Right, right, right. Which, you know, I don't think victory is like entirely to blame because a lot of other labels have operated this way too. And I mean, these are the structures and deals that have been in place for so long. We haven't changed them, you know, like we've been giving the artist has been getting the shit end of the deal almost every time in every, in every single, like, you know, I think a lot of, you know, indies majors and all the things. And when you look at it and you break it down, the person who always ends up making the least is usually the performer. Right. And, and I think, I think the funny thing is too, is that, you know, the, the, when it comes to the finances with the bands, you know, there was a benefit to being on the label, especially if you were like a small band, like, and you know, I don't know, there was a band I remember called like Moros Eros and like, they just like put out like little indie records. And you know, if they're on a sampler with Bayside and you know, w- and the label is paying for us to fall around, like, I don't know what you like some band at the time that was similar to Bayside that was doing really well. And you know, they're handing out like thousands of samplers a night and we're taking out ads on Fuse and magazines and doing college radio promotions. Like there's a huge benefit to being on that label. So that's not like, you can't deny that power. Um, but I think for the bigger bands and why I think some of the bigger bands would inevitably end up having issues was because all the money that they would make would be just pumped right back into marketing. Right. And so, you know, most of them would complain to me, like, you know, we don't even want any of that shit. Like our music, right. We've gotten to the point now where our music speaks for ourselves. We don't want to pay into more marketing, but it, it, they didn't get a say in that based on the contract. That's just how the business model works. So, right. you know, yeah, they would be like mad about it. But at the same time, without that marketing budget, some of the bands probably wouldn't have gotten to the point that. Yeah. And, I, you did. know, I think that's what's important <clears throat> for like, you know, a lot of smaller bands is you really cannot. And you see this a lot with big musicians but a lot in sports too you can't depend on making all your money just from your music it's just not possible you know like you like you have to be smart about merch you have to be smart about any other revenue stream that you can generate for your band or your bandmates or even just yourself you know like yeah I've, i've funded every single rebuilder project um out of money that the band has just saved from shows. We never, we were never getting paid a shitload of money for shows, but you know, like we got paid a hundred bucks. Did you split that hundred dollars between the four or five people to get home from Alston to Brighton or Somerville? Or did you just put it away in the bank account? You know, it's like you have to invest in yourself. And I think that, you know, the more I've always said, like, if you have a nest egg of things of, of money to use, so you can do cool things and invest in yourself more, you can grow that you have to spend money to make money. Um, but like for us, it's always been merch. Merch has been the one place where we could focus on. And I, you know, especially a band like Hawthorne Heights and like Streetlight, I've done merch for both of those people, just like in local venue sales. And like, I mean, they're making tons and tons of money off of that right. more than they are off of waiting for a royalty check off of victory. Well, and I, I also think I, I, that just brought back a memory. I think that, well, I think we took cuts out of the merch too. I so, mean, you know, like, I, and, yeah, I mean, and big ones. So, right, right. right. Um, but yeah, I think like at that point, yeah, if you're not like diversifying, you know, your product, if you're just putting out like one record and then not doing anything else, it's like, you'll never make it. I mean, I remember me and you saw, I mean, victory got sold. Victory is not owned yeah. by Tony anymore. Um, and he, I think he made out pretty well. I think, I th- I don't remember the number on that, but it was millions I think whoever bought that dollars. was an idiot, but that was my personal opinion. I mean, I like, we have to look this up. I mean, come on, like how, <laughs> how much, how much I think did, it was, I think it was a couple, it was a couple million. And I think, um, 
last I heard from an employee that was there for a while, like, uh, yeah, he's pretty proud of himself. And I don't necessarily, I don't blame him. He made a lot of money and, you know, crushed it at the end of the day. 30 million. Oh my gosh, 30? <laughs> Dude, I, I was going to say like two or three. I thought it was, I was three. Like five at most. I thought it was three. 30, yeah. dude. 30. That's crazy. Yeah, 30. it's crazy. Dude, I, I, I thought about that after our last conversation. It's like, you know, you think back at like, if you boil it down to just saying what you're making, you know, you as a musician or anybody, what you're making is art. You know, if you like bring that back to like a very primal stripped down existence, it's like you guys are creating like wall art in a cave. You're telling a story and you're, you know, writing about your life and you're expressing your emotions or whatever it might be. And at no point is that ever supposed to be bought, sold. Like that's not, it's just not natural. Like it right. can be, like it can be in right. our modern society that can like absolutely be done. Right. Like, I, right. like, I, like I do photography. I do it because I enjoy it and I get something out of it. But like, it's like, I, I can't rely on that as like, my primary income because at the end of the day it's really just supposed to be gratifying me from right. like an artistic standpoint and but if you were getting money for it and it started to become something where you needed to do to survive yeah. you no longer can make that decision of like i don't want to take pictures right now i'm not into it anymore right right you know yeah totally totally but i but the other side of it is i would also argue that <clears throat> you know like when you talk about me getting out of the industry eventually you just have to say to yourself, like, you know, like I, like I started compartmentalizing things. I said, I love music. I love punk rock. I love these things, but I've been in this pipe of shit that is the music industry. I don't like, yeah. I don't like the way it makes me feel. I have to get out of here. And, right. you know, and I'm going to get back to the point where music is like something I love and I just consume when I want. And I buy it like I would buy a painting on the wall that I liked. Right. Like, you just, I, I'll consume it because I love it and right. I'll support artists and I'll like go to shows and tow their gear just to be nice and like that sort of thing. Right. Right. But like anything beyond that, I said to myself, I don't think I can be involved in because it just makes me feel gross. And I, right. you know, I said to myself, I'd, I'd much rather just like consume it on a personal level because I love it and do something that I don't care about for a living. It's nice to be a fan of music. Yeah. It's a nice place to be when you don't have to do anything else but just enjoy it. Yeah. Totally. And it's something that I think we take for granted when we work in the industry. Because I think there's times I've seen a lot of people who still work in the industry who I feel like I'm like, is that gone for you? You know, the, like, just the enjoyment of music, is that gone for you? And like, I'm still how, happy. How that often my, do you... How often do you feel like it, you feel like that's confirmed? Like if you ask the person, like, do you think, is that just a vibe you get from people? And then if you ask them, they'd be like, no, no, I love it. Or do you I think, think they, I think that they, most of them, when I ask them, if I were to ask them, um, cause at times that conversation has like come up and most of the time there said there, there was a time where I really loved it. Yeah. Um, and I, they were like, but that's not that time anymore, you right. know? Right. A lot of old crew guys, a lot of old guys that have been on the crew long enough being like, you know, it's just a thankless job a lot of times. Totally. You know, um, I think maybe like on the management level, you don't really see that too much because like a lot of times those, you know, the hardest thing that they're doing, I mean, not the hardest thing, but like there's just a big difference between like at the end of the day, you get to go home. If you have a family, you get to go back to your family. You're going to have to keep checking your phone and your laptop. But, like, you get to do that. Whereas, right. like, if you're, like, a tour manager and you're gone, you know, sometimes you don't have the option of even being able to, like, do you want to start a family under these circumstances? Or, like, do you already have one and now you have to have one under these circumstances? And you're out, you know, the days are long and everything. Yeah, and you can, can you just, sustain you know, it? Right. It wears. And I think on a lot of those guys, the crew guys, especially like if you're moving cases and stuff, you can see that. You can yeah. see that, you know, I don't think there is. There's a lot of love for music. And so, I mean, sometimes it comes out. It mainly sometimes comes out if you're on a festival with a lot of people in there and they're like, 
oh, this band's playing. I never got to see them. I, I'm so stoked. And you're you're you get really excited when you see someone have that reaction who hasn't had it in a long time. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. glad that I still have that. Like, yeah, I haven't paid for live streams because I don't care about watching live streams from home. I don't get the same feeling. But yeah. the one that I did pay for was the hives and I paid for all of them. They did like a hives worldwide web tour and had all the cities there were six shows and i was i said to my brother i was like let's get the pass let's let's watch them all was it good oh it's fucking fantastic oh it really was so good it man like being right. someone who's like a huge highs fan like i was like you know they're probably not going to do the same set every night and like the hives have never half-assed anything i've ever seen and it was awesome I can say I've only watched two. I like you guys did a great job on yours. I really loved it. I Thank thought the you. the sound quality was unbelievable. Jay crushed it. All you guys sounded good. Yeah. Even by the end of the show, you all sounded good. That that blew me away because I, you know, you were really putting it out there, and I thought the voice was gonna start to go come <laughs> on nine or ten. <laughs> and it's weird because it's like you don't expect that to happen at a live show. Well, I guess you do, but you're like, ah, it's a live show. Who cares? But when it's right. like, you know, the sound quality is good. You're like, oh, I'm going to hear all those little imperfections. <laughs> I've been I taking vocal lessons for the year. <laughs> but it sounded awesome. So I watched Thanks. yours. and then, But I also watched um, the Bad Religion one, which I... I saw ooh, all those. I hated it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought, like... <laughs> did you love it? No. Okay, because, like, I, it, it was, like... There were a few things wrong with it. A, the sound, which Bad Religion, I've seen them a bazillion times. Same. I've never, ever complained about their sound, ever. So, like, when I watched it on on the TV, I was like, oh, this is going to be, like, even better than live. It's like, nope, it was worse. The camera angles were worse. It was like there was, like, one sweep shot they just kept doing over and over again. It was so, I was so depressed that I turned it off after, like, a few songs. The mix on the Bad Religion was not great. It was just like, you know... I felt at times guitars were really loud. I also yeah, felt like the totally. vibe I watched was just watching Bad Religion do a sound check. Yeah, oh, totally. You know you what know? it actually reminded me of? Like go, going back to some of the victory stuff when we would have bands come and perform, basically just for us, like after work, like you you know, you'd get done at five thirty, six, something like that. At six thirty, you'd go over to this warehouse in like just like west of the loop in Chicago. Yeah. And we go to this warehouse and like there'd just be a band just waiting for us to show up. Like how awkward is that? <laughs> just waiting. Just oh, sitting there man. with their guitars, just like waiting to like go. And then we'd all file in. And then, you know, like the drummer does a one, two, three, you know, and they just start playing. But it's it was so awkward. But um, but we'd go, yeah, we'd be going to those, and it was like just a dark warehouse. They couldn't see us, but we could see them with lights on the stage. Yeah. And we would like just sit there and watch it. And actually, you're exactly right. It was just that was exactly what it was like. That that yeah. Show. If, it was if, like you that know, it felt like I was just watching a sound check of them going through stuff. It didn't feel like they were like this is the performance part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're I mean they're tight. They're tight. Yeah, you know, they're uh, like they're they they are a great band. And I a friend of mine had a pass, so he let me use his his thing to log in, and I was like. I end up watching, I think, all of them, but the 2000s like era because okay. that's like the worst part of that religion. <laughs> it's like the current version. Like, who the fuck paid to see that? You know. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if anyone standalone just paid for that era. Dude, I don't want to know that person. Like <laughs> the current day bad religion. I was like, yeah, yeah, well, that's like a it- hard pass for me, dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that's what i was gonna say about yours too is like i said I, I thought jay did a killer job and the sound was so good like even you could just tell you know that that you guys worked really hard on you know segmenting channels and having you know the left do something different than the right and like you really just tried to make it sound dynamic and cool and it was awesome. it was difficult i mean I, yeah. you know I'll, I'll straight up say that it was one of the most difficult things i did i was having like anxiety attacks on the whole fucking two weeks before because the biggest thing was that the sign that was behind us i didn't know how, how, the, how we would be able to make it make and it, transport yeah. it and get it there yeah. That was one of the hardest things to do was the sign. And the Moss family was the one who kind of helped me get that whole thing together. Yeah. But um, it was difficult. I mean, the whole show ended up costing us around $1,700 between like all of the crew and materials and everything that we needed. We raised 1100 through like sponsorships, which was like awesome. And yeah. then we had like 
I think we had 220 people watch, which was amazing because I didn't think we'd sell that many tickets. And yeah. it was a success on our part, you yeah. know? Well, and it, I just think that, like, especially now, you have to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what else are you <laughs> going to do? You might as well try. I mean, you might I, as well. I, I think you have to try, but you have to, it, it, as long as it's not like a Facebook stream at the dive bar down the street. I mean, like you've four. seen me rip on the midway. No, I don't think I have. You haven't seen those? No. Oh, they go up on my story. I mean, every oh. single time I open up my Facebook, it's like Midway Cafe live now is fucking oh. Tony Doyle's and the brother <laughs> band. And, and you see in the corner how many's watching and it's like three. three. So I yeah, like fucking I circle say. that and screenshot it and put it on my story. I'm like, was it worth it? Was it worth going down there? Like, I know you motherfuckers didn't test before it. You don't (laughs) live together. And you're just on the stage being like, we have to do this because, you know, like, what else are we going to do? And I'm like, nah, that one you could have not done. How do you feel about how we're going to come out of this with live music venues? How do you think, you know, where do you stand on how the venue situations are? I don't know, man. I I know as a fan, I mean... I, I hope it comes back, but like, yeah, like we've seen all the ones in Boston disappear. I, I always, I used to get actually really annoyed and, and maybe you can support this or deny it, but I used to get really annoyed when people would be like, Boston's a really great music scene. But like, since I, you know, I grew up here and I, I think you did too, right? Didn't you grow up? Yeah, I grew up yeah. here. Yeah. Like, you know, I remember like being much younger, obviously like late nineties and there was probably like, I don't know what, three times more places to go see shows than there are now. And yeah. like when people say in like 2000, like 18, 19, like, oh, Boston's a great music city. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm like, there's only a few places to play. Now, most of them are totally closed. And it used to drive me kind of crazy because, um, you know, I, I think it's a great city as far as there's lots of creative people here. Sure. And, and there's lots of people making cool music. But I think from like a supportive standpoint, the infrastructure is not there for bands. And that always pissed me off. I have to agree and disagree with you. Okay, tell me. Well, because like, I think when I hear people say that Boston does not have a good music scene, it typically is from like some bands or people that haven't like toured much, you know? Yeah, sure. And I think maybe I felt that same way too for a little bit because I do compare it a lot with like, Coming up, you know, like being 16 years old, I saw so many shows in Boston. Coming down to Boston wasn't a big deal for me because my aunt still to this day has the flower shop in Brighton. So my mom would bring me to the flower shop like all the time. We were always in Boston. So if I wanted to go see a show in Boston, um, it was just a matter of getting a ride. And my mom was like, yeah, I mean, I'll take you to the tea stop if she couldn't drive me. So. I would see so many shows. I saw so many local bands. There was just so much music in abundance, right? Yeah, totally. So, and I think the quality of bands were great too because there's just so many bands that are still to this day my favorite bands. The music isn't on Spotify. It's just like, I'm glad yeah. I ripped the CD at some point because it's <laughs> on my Dropbox because it's so yeah. good. And I think comparing, a lot of times I was comparing to that and being like, it, you know, it's not as it was. But in being a band that's smaller in tours when you go to other cities it's a lot worse. of other cities it's so much worse they don't have anything yeah. they really don't have anything where yeah. when i come back here and i say well you know we have o'brien's which all the small bands and mid-sized like you know punk touring bands can play and we've been able to play with a lot of like really like great bands that have like on their first trip started there and then now they're at great scott and then sinclair and get bigger it's like, okay, it's it's great that there's these tiers that they can keep moving up and get bigger in. And there's yeah. these great bands in this city that can support that. And then, you know, Daniel booking at Hong Kong and Charlie's, especially with like, you know, Charlie's, we would always, you know, they only do shows Monday nights. And it was one of those things like we would always tell our friends bands, they want to come to play Boston. And we're like, come play Charlie's on a Monday. And they're like, they don't want to do it. Cause they're like, Oh, Mondays always suck. And we're like, right. yeah, they do, but not here. Like right. the Monday shows here are great. Cause they only do Mondays. Everybody knows to come out to Charlie's on the and, Monday. And people just show up because they that's just show something. Up. Yeah. They know that's what's happening. Right. And there's like, you know, the door is only five bucks. It goes, the whole entire thing goes to the band. So like, yeah, 
we could act, like even our friends like even if they didn't draw that well they're like well you always had money and each band member gets like ten dollars in food and drinks so we're like well you'll get fed you'll get money like and you've never been to this city before this is going to be the greatest show you've ever played and right. every time me and daniel were booking tours and we would be like where can we find the charlies of like fucking you know <laughs> indiana yeah. on a monday and it just doesn't exist right. you know it doesn't yeah. exist so it was to the point where we were just like all right well do we book the show on the monday or do we just keep driving you know that's and a fair I was, point yeah yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's so, yeah, you're right. It is. It's a lot of pers- perspective. I, and I guess mine is to go back on, maybe that's the way, that's why I feel that way. Because, yeah, I was in Boston during, like, that era that you're talking about. There was plenty right. of shows, lots of local bands. They were all really good. Karma Club, Bill's Bar had plenty totally. of shows. Like, Lansdowne Street was fucking punk rock shows all right. the time. Like, you the know? Knights of Columbus, or is that what it is, in Cambridge, or Elks Lodge in Elks Cambridge. Lodge, the Elks Lodge, like, right. Yeah, like, uh, ICC Church, all that stuff. Right, like, exactly, yeah. Like I, I think I, like, there was a lot more of those, like, the independent promoter doing this at... Yeah the non-conventional venue right. and us seeing our favorite bands there. I saw a lifetime at the ICC church and strike right. anywhere and the Bronx. Yeah, me and all too. Those bands. Oh, I was yeah. probably at the strike anywhere show. Yeah. So like, that's where, that's where I came from. And then it was like, right. then I went to college, which, you know, I was at um, Monmouth university down in New Jersey and that's where I was at WMCX and doing all the radio stuff. And, um, you know, I was, uh, five miles from Asbury park, which like most people up here don't know what Asbury park is, but like, right. You know, there's venues like the Stone Pony, the Asbury Lanes, and that's like that's just the suburbs. Right. So to me, like when I came, when I went from Boston, I went from Boston right into that area. Right. And I was like, this is the suburbs, and there's great venues here. Like, right. You know, like I saw all the, I saw Against Me play at um you know the Lanes, and you know I saw No Trigger at some bar on a boardwalk, and right. like you know right. there's just all sorts of cool stuff. And so to me, it was kind of like, oh, well, this must this like this must be normal suburban America. And it's like, no, this is just Asbury. And I would argue that they're turning more into like Boston now. Totally. Yeah, they're losing those venues. They are. But like I was there. I saw Hot Water Music there. I went drove down there to see them and to see some friends like last year. But there was like tons of venues, good places to eat food. Like it's it's an awesome place to be now. It's like yeah, it's I told cool. I, I yeah. I mean, I like Asbury Park as well. Like I but, think it's but, it's great. But then I went to Chicago too, which I, I would argue is like Chicago in so early two thousands. You know, I was going to a lot of shows for Victory, but you know, on top of that, there's just there's so many bars there. Yeah, with stages, it's like you you could just. You know, I'm sure you've booked there before. It's like it's not yeah. it's it's like shooting fish in a barrel as far as yeah. like booking a show compared yeah. to like, yeah, like you said, Indiana, Ohio somewhere. Right. Um, I, I, and, and you know, I, I will say for sure, Boston losing a lot of that like non-conventional venues. Yeah. Um, sucks a little bit you know just because like there's less places to play and when there's less places to play it's harder to get shows here yeah which you know when there's less shows here there's less local support there's less opportunities absolutely i'm curious coming out of this pandemic if we will start to see because venues have restrictions and yeah venue costs are now going to go up and you know if a, if a smaller band who can't fill the 500 cap room or let's say they can, they can fill it more than that, but they're just like, well, the room costs of these AEG live nation rooms are just massive now because there's all these Corona fees and people can't go up to the merch table and buy it. And people need to be there. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, will this spark, you know, some fucking kid in college, who's the music director at the radio station to be like, you know what? I think I'm just going to book, fucking this this church down the street i kind of think it will but here's where i think it'll be different right i think like geographically it's going to be different like i I don't think anyone's going to bother with downtown boston not that they were before but like right you know it's going to be like i i I bet some bar that closed down in framingham right right, is going to like open up and maybe that will be it because the rent's cheaper out there and it's easier for somebody to promote right like i think that's i think that is going to be the next iteration in the same way that I think food and like culinary things are going to kind of shift out too, because like half the businesses have gotten run out of like expensive rent, but people right. still have those dreams and they still have that need to 
produce art or produce food or do things right. that they love, but yeah. they can't afford to do it in no. places like high traffic areas, you know, like Brighton or whatever it is. So, and, and I, it's funny because, you know, I, um, I love Aerosmith. Aerosmith's one of my favorite bands. Um, I used to love I, them when I was a kid. Dude, it was one of the first shows I ever saw. So like, okay. as, you know, I, the first band I ever saw that had fucking, they have half stacks and they're a rock and roll band. And I was like, that's yeah. what I want to do for the rest of my life. But like, I listen to, you know, only I, knew that was such a mistake. Steven Tyler, damn you. <laughs> um, at some point I will tell you the story about how I used to work for their fan club. Okay. <laughs> but, um, I read I read uh, Joe Perry's book not too long ago, and you know he starts naming all the places that Aerosmith was like playing when they were coming up, and like yeah. he named a place in Framingham, he named a place in like Arlington, and like all like he was like, oh, we, we you know one of the biggest places to play was on Route One in Saugus, and I'm just like, wow, this is wild. There was so many other places. I mean, and this is before I was born. This you know this is like yeah. a long, long time ago. And, you know, I'm like, is is this where the turnaround happens? Is this yeah. where we start getting those venues in those places because of what we're in now? I do think that there's going to be like a like a renaissance era post pandemic enthusiasm level through the roof. Yeah. And I don't know how long that'll last. Like maybe it'll be a flame and it'll just burn sure. out after like a year. Like, I don't right. know, because I, I, don't, I, I, you know, I can't even tell what my appetite for it is. Never mind everybody else's. But like. You know, I, I think like, yeah, they're going to move out to other venues. People are going to start their own things. And for, I think, a couple of years, it'll probably be, it'll be amazing. And I, yeah, yeah I, I think like, yeah, the weird part is like, yeah, how do you set up merch? How do you, how do you do the normal functions of having shows? But I, I'm pretty confident that like, there will be solutions for that. I think it's just, some, I think like there will be like a groundswell of enthusiasm and, right. and people's appetite for it. Like everyone's dying to be social, to drink a beer. And to just like listen to rock and roll or whatever it is that you listen to. And I, I think I think it will bounce back. It's just a matter of like when and what those logistics are and how fucking weird the logistics are. You said Fest is happening, right? I, like, and that's Florida. So they're just going to be like, oh, yeah, like it's, it's ban- crazy, bands will come. Man. The bands who don't care will just come play. And the people who don't care will go to the shows. And maybe people get sick. Maybe they won't. It doesn't matter. But like, it's all like everyone's going to sign a waiver. I, yeah, I think it'll be like signing waivers. I don't know how people. I don't know how they're gonna pull it off. Like, I got an email about it. I responded back and said, if it's safe enough for us to do it, we'll do it. But like, it's a very big if. I mean, I I said that just because like it's wishful thinking. I just don't know how it's gonna be able to happen because yeah. I mean, there's just there's a lot going on. Like, you know, like they want to verify that everyone's been vaccinated. Great, that's awesome. But like, I don't know, some of those places we played were just rando fucking bars in Gainesville that like the staff isn't run by fest. Like, right. I don't know if that random bartender working there or door guy has been vaccinated. I don't know. And I don't want, I don't want to be concerned with it either. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't, it's, it shouldn't be my job to police it. I'm not the security. I'm trying to be there as a performer. But also as a performer who is not someone on the headlining stage, who's not has who doesn't have a guarantee that's in the thousands of dollars where my guarantee is in the hundreds of dollars where I've said yes to it because we can we can bank on playing some shows along the way to get some other guarantees that are hundreds of dollars to like make it worth it. If that doesn't exist anymore, because one, we've lost venues and two, maybe city different cities, different states have different restrictions, then I don't know. Is my is is the pay that I would be getting from like something like Fest worth it for me at that point? Um, if you know, no, things there hasn't been enough time to bounce back. Like we've lost yeah. a lot of venues, we will get them back for sure. It takes time. Yeah. I think we need this buffer time for things to happen. I've even heard the bigger bands um, being like, "Oh, we just pushed everything to twenty twenty for twenty twenty two because." Even if things come back in the fall, we need that stuff to roll out before we can decide which rooms can we get into, what can we bring. Are we taking full crew? Are we not taking full crew? How much merch can we bring? Can yeah. people just go up and get merch? Like all of this factors into the money and the big the big decisions, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think without giving time for that to roll out, I think. Of, you know whether it's punk rock bowling whether it's fest or any any of that stuff saying that you know 
we're ready to give it a try in October. It's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe you're only going to have Florida bands at that thing, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Or I would say just don't do it. Just give it another year. It sucks. We, I mean, we, we yeah. all want it, but like fucking just give it another year. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting too, right? Because the, you know, the way that punk rock leans politically too, right? Like not to get into politics, but you know, you would think a lot of those bands are very much in tune with like trying to like keep the masses and their community, you know, safe. But at the same time, like, you know, it's, it's art. Some of these guys are trying to make a living or supplement their income. And, you know, it's just, it's such a tricky shit. But it, that's the thing is it's not just them, you know, it's, right. it's, 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 it's yes. These artists one need to make a living. They have income, but they have managers, they have agents, they have, you know, the, the PR people, it's all these people behind them that also want to get paid too. Right. And yeah. it's not the managers and agents having to get in the van or the tour bus and get out there and, you know, right. like put expose themselves every day. But those are the ones being like, I don't know, man, I think you guys should really try to do it. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it's what a dumpster cool. fire. <laughs> Isn't it? It's such a dumpster fire. It's all it's I mean, it's all facets, you know, it's like you know, I've got like a kid and, you know, managing that is like the same thing. It's like, you, you can't, you literally can't do anything easy right. at all. Like everything is an absolute nightmare, logistical nightmare, planning nightmare. It's just awful. So yeah, yeah I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I, I hope it bounces. I, I, I know it'll bounce back because I think especially the punk community, because, you know, people, people in that community, like people like yourself and myself, like it's not, it's not it's not the crowd to just like roll over and die and be like, yeah, right. I guess we're done. Right. It's like, you know, people are going to like pick each other up and, you know, open up small little venues or rent out quiet little corners in a bar. And, you know, make which means like it. maybe this will finally just kill ska music. <laughs> that would be, you know, it would all be worth it. You know, that would be like the final it's, payoff. It's we didn't want to do this, but they're just, they're super spreaders with the horns and stuff. Like we, we the have horn, the, the spit valves are, the spit valves are basically, Get them um, out of there. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Can you imagine how much Corona can fit in a spit valve? Probably a lot. So much. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I think this was a good makeup episode. Yeah, it was. I'm so glad we caught up and, uh, Hopefully this video fails again so we can do it again next week. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait for it. Thank you for being on the biz. I appreciate it. No worries, man. We'll catch you later. Thank you for checking out this episode of The Biz. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe on wherever you listen and leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. You can follow The Biz on Instagram at Sal Ellington. You can buy merch at thebizbaby.square.site. If you'd like to donate to The Biz on Venmo, it's at Sal Ellington. Thank you for your support. We'll see you next episode.